What's poppin'? Who you a Brand new whip, just, just hopped in. I got oh, options. I can pass that flight like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad in the friend zone. Sound like an intro, Jets song, give me that tempo. And we are back with the second episode of The Break Room. I'm Charles Carter to my right, Will Doctor, and on the buttons, Marcus Castillo. Uh, first of all, you know, how was your Christmas, guys? Yeah, Christmas was good. It was it was pretty quiet. Uh, worked a little in the morning at uh, over at Cleburne Cafeteria. Uh, cool, cool. Good you know good family place kind of one of the last cafeterias left and uh one of the only places open on christmas but uh yeah stayed for the morning wave and it was nice to help out and listen to some christmas music and uh yeah had some had some steak and mashed potatoes and Uh, yeah the break room does service community service uh, some of that some of that that uh, that that creamy corn action. Uh, yeah, dinner was good. Uh, watched a little football, and uh, yeah. What about you, Marcus? Uh, you know, of course, with the whole 2020 going on, it was definitely a little bit different. Uh, kind of probably went to my grandparents' house for like five minutes only because just try to keep the tradition going in a way. But then we left like almost instantaneously, almost as quick as we got there. But uh, going off the food with Will, you had so is steak kind of like a typical Christmas dinner for you, or uh, we kind of switch around sometimes ham. Uh, most of the time steak or tenderloin, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, how, you know, how different 2020 Christmas is and, um, what's, what's great about being at Cleburne on Christmas or Thanksgiving is the people and, and the interactions that you have, everyone's in a good mood. It's Christmas. Uh, it, it was a lot different this year. Everyone had masks on. It, it's it's amazing. You can't see anyone's emotion. So even if you just smile at someone um, after saying thank you, uh, you can't get a real feel on people's emotions. So uh, definitely different. We know that. Uh, it's been a been a much different year. Yeah, I mean for me, we really wasn't too much. I mean, besides like a smaller group meeting up for family at my. Um my cousin's house this year we kind of rotate uh yearly with um having breakfast at somebody's house um the whole family didn't get together but just like a few of my cousins my aunt and we kind of met for like maybe like an hour or two and everybody had to get out the house you know you know it's covid so definitely understand that but it was all good for dinner i think we had yeah we did fried fish and um etouffee Mm. All right, so that was pretty good so uh real quick before we get into the whole kind of like sportsy talk of it all uh Code vaccine coming out. What do y'all think about it? What's your opinions about it? Was it out too quick? Do y'all want to be the first ones in line for it, or you're gonna wait a little bit for it? Let me know your thoughts on that. Yeah, my un- my yeah. uncle actually had to get it pretty pretty quick off the the jump. Uh, he's in the he's in the medical field. He had a little headache and some back aching for for a day or two, uh, and then was fine. So. Uh, Nah, I'm ready to move around a little bit more, uh, be able to to kind of to live a little bit more. Uh, yeah, Charles, I think I'm in on the vaccine. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure they're going to be giving out COVID, you know, vaccine cards. So I think when you know before it's said and done, especially for uh, for media members, uh, you're you're going to need that card. 
as far as COVID, I mean, I'm happy with the vaccines. That I think it came out a little quick. Uh, I had a, a friend; she just graduated for nursing, and um, she was telling me that there was some bills passed, and she's going to be forced to take the vaccine. You know, because she's going to be a nurse in hospital and everything. So. I want to see these side effects first. I'm not saying that I'm, a, I'm so opposed to taking it, but I don't want to be first in line. I don't want to be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I watch too many movies. Like No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I you don't want to be the guinea pig. I saw that, yeah. like, I saw that Spanish <laughs> flu meme where like, the first... The first 200 people to get the Spanish flu vaccine died. Uh, yeah. Well, like, that was in, se- like, what, 1796, I think? Whoa, whoa, that just means those don't beat one of the first 200 to get it. Yeah. Well, we're not. We're not. I think I think that's, Ooh. yeah, that's passed somewhat. But uh, let's get into some football, boys. Uh, you know, yeah, the Texans, they dropped their fourth straight. Uh, Woo! Yeah, to the Bengals, they gave their the Bengals their first road win in 20 games. No Joe Burrow. Uh, and it was the first time the Bengals have won back-to-back games since week four and five of the 2018 season. So uh, the Texans were, were in this game. Uh, there was definitely some, some, some bright spots to this game. Uh, Deshaun had another stellar game, threw for... T- three touchdowns uh brandon cooks had a great game seven receptions 141 yards and a touchdown uh even david johnson had a good game uh which we'll get to here in one second but what it ultimately came down to charles was charlie heck blowing a late block uh leading to deshaun watson getting sacked he fumbles and uh that's game but Let's get into some David Johnson a little bit, uh, Marcus. I know you have a David Johnson. So, so yeah. yeah, so so most definitely, I'm, I'm a huge David Johnson fan. I like him, you know, I, I like the fact that we got him from Arizona, but he hasn't looked as good as he, you know, as he did. But the past two Sundays, I feel like we got vintage David Johnson coming from the Colts, who has a stellar defense. They had 11, he had 11 catches and 106 yards. This past Sunday, he had more rushes, so he had 12 rushes for 128 yards with one rushing touchdown. Do you think it's because of the matchup? Keep in mind, the Colts, they have a stellar defense. Or is it just David Johnson's coming back? I think it's more of David Johnson just kind of getting to a decent flow of things. I mean, we're not going to – I don't think anybody here could ever sit up here and say David Johnson's a bad player or he's not a good running – just not a good running back. Nobody could say that. He is a starting running back in the NFL. But <sighs> – I guess I just stay with that. Is that that exactly? He's getting to the groove of things. I don't think that it's necessarily matchup purposes. I don't think that um, it's a change of scheme or anything like that. I think is he's a he's a good running back, starting to do good things. You know, I think that I would just leave it at that for me. Yeah. So the question is, the use of David Johnson's been a little better. Uh, is that because of matchups? Or is Romeo and Tim Kelly scheming better for him? Uh, I'm going to say no. No in general. Uh, I say don't be fooled by David Johnson's big performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, He rushed for 128 yards yesterday, one rushing touchdown. Uh, But I'm I'm telling Texans fans, don't be fooled. Uh, The Bengals' defense is amongst the worst in the league in defending the run. 
Uh, you know, they're, they're ranked 26 out of 23 out of all NFL teams in rushing defense, and they're giving up 130 rushing yards per game. Uh, you know, I did watch the game, and David Johnson had a few fantastic, strong runs. Uh, but I, I was seeing blown tackles left and right from the Bengals' defense. Uh, the por- the uh, the performance was nothing to brag about, and I stand by uh, that the Texans shouldn't have signed David Johnson at three years, $39 million. Um, and it, it's almost safe to say he's been a waste and and. and Really hasn't provided much to this organization, uh, but we'll see where they move on uh, next year with their running game. I think David Johnson has one, yeah, two more years, two more years, two more years left. So uh, we'll we'll see if he's going to be part of the new uh, coaching and general manager regime. Marcus, any other questions, Texans was? So I'm uh, going back to what you're talking about is that about a blown block for Watson at the end of last game. Uh, I forget the name of the tackle that you mentioned. Do you mind kind of throwing it back out there for me? Yeah. So uh, it, it was Charlie Heck. The, so yeah. So the, yeah, uh, the, the right guard, and I think it was Hubbard that that blew just right past him, and uh, it actually. Uh, Deshaun Deshaun was holding his elbow right after and it was of course a scary moment for Texans fans because uh, 50% of Houston wants him on the bench right now for the rest of the season so um, uh, going back to that blown block it's it feels like we've been in games under two minutes for like three weeks in a row now do you does this play a factor in the mentality of what they're doing or do, like because I part of me feels like the Texans have given up they don't look like they're playing hard but part of me doesn't want to think that as you know for for the Houston fan base overall so you know let, what, what are your thoughts about all of that so thoughts about the well the so te- let, let me let me let me re uh kind of phrase Deshaun Watson has looked fantastic all season, Charles. But the team can't finish off games. And how do you think that that impacts him from a mental perspective? Oh, I mean, it impacts him greatly. If you're a quarterback, you're the head of a team, you're ahead of a franchise, and you think that your team doesn't know how to finish, they don't have any kind of fight in them towards the end, especially like when it's really on the line, or they think like, oh, it doesn't really matter in the big picture, and they kind of, they're quitters, you know? And the and the and when it's all said and done, they're quitters. And so, if you feel like you're a part of a team that does that, it's hard to be the standalone guy who says I'm going to be the one to fight for to do it consistently for so long. You know what I mean? It kind of wears on you for a while, especially also in the state of the matter is fact of the matter is it doesn't matter. You're not making the playoffs, and so it's hard to continue to call upon Deshaun Watson to you know save you a game or two when nobody else is doing it, and it doesn't matter anyway. You know. What me and then also he's taking hits like you said that last uh, the guard who blew the uh, yeah, the last block, offensive play of the game the last play Heck. and when he pulled his arm and he kind of he was walking this uh, runs to the sideline holding his shoulders like that could have been my that could have been it yeah, you know you're I mean? holding so, your breath for nothing exactly so I it, I think it wears on him greatly I mean uh, shout out to Deshaun Watson and all the Houston fans who pushed him and uh, to him for actually still doing it because it, it's not an easy thing I think any anybody could relate to that to being the only guy who's trying to do the, the right thing or keep fighting and you're not getting any assistance from that yeah and I, I 100% agree, agree with you Charles uh, I, I can't help but to think that um, it, it 
it would have an impact on Deshaun Watson. When you're a true professional like Deshaun Watson is, a day-in and day-out guy, uh, and, and most of all the leader of the franchise for the next you know, probably decade, uh, then it's it, it's got to get to you at some point or the other. Um, we, we finally saw it come out of JJ this week, um, and, and and JJ's a guy at the back end, the back end of his career. The only thing JJ has left to accomplish is a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, but but Deshaun Watson is a pro's pro, and I think it's even more important for him to stay poised, and I think he knows that. Uh, he, he knows that that he cannot lose his composure on the uh, in the media room or the field. Uh, you know, lastly, he knows that the Texans' 2020 roster and season is just is just plagued. Yeah. You know, it's the back end of O'Brien's terrible regime. It's been a disastrous season, and it's not on him. Uh, you know, and it's obvious it's not on him. Deshaun is second in yards per game, averaging 295 yards in the air. He's third in the league in completion percentage, and his inter- interception percentage is amongst the lowest in the league. Uh, you know, in 11 games this season, he has he has a QBR of 100 or more, uh, uh, which is a franchise record. Deshaun is obviously feeling the wasted season, uh, but there are more than enough positives to take away from the season, Charles. Absolutely. Let me add on to and towards the beginning of the season, right before Bill O'Brien his uh, departure and when he got fired, people were questioning Deshaun Watson and people questioning his talent, saying, "Was he really a franchise quarterback? Could he really do it? Could he really be your quarterback for the next eight to ten years?" You know, so for him to battle back from that, from all the criticism and all the uh, the bad uh, the bad moves made by your head coach and GM and all that, and then to fight for a win. A uh, four and eleven season, yeah, it, you know, it's, it, it's it, a lot. You know, it really so. is is amazing how it, it's kind of been a a prove it year for Deshaun. You know, he's you know they're losing all these games, but he's still showing it week in and week out. He's he's putting on a show. Um, and let's move on to JJ Watt's post post game rant. Uh, Marcus, do you want to start the conversation with the question? If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We are getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people that watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of And they care about it. They care every single week. We're in week 16 and work 4-11. and And there's fans that watch this game, that show up to the stadium, that put in time and energy and effort and care about this so if you can't go out there and you can't work out you can't show up on time you can't practice you can't want to go out there and win you shouldn't be here because this is a privilege it's the greatest job in the world you get to go out and play a game and if you can't care enough even in week 17 even when you're trash when you're four and 11 if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest that's bullshit so that's how I just, I think it's, that's, there are people every week that still tweet you, that still come up to you and say, hey, we're still rooting for you. We're still behind you. They have no reason whatsoever to. We stink. But they care and they still want to win and they still want you to be great. That's why. Those people aren't getting paid. We're getting paid handsomely. That's why. And that's. (sighs) 
That's who I feel the most bad for is our fans and the people who care so deeply in the city and the people who love it and who truly want it to be great. And it's not. And that sucks as a player to know that we're not giving them what they deserve. So with JJ, he started kind of talking about players not, you know, trying hard, not giving it their all in practice and everything. He kind of seemed like he was fed up with some of the players. Do you truly think he wants to leave Houston or is this Kim trying to save face for when he does leave Houston? I think he wants to do um, both. Actually, I think he wants to be the good guy who's going to do some evil. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? He wants to be still the sweetheart of Houston, but unfortunately, I got to go. You know, so if whenever he comes back to do whatever, he still gets the love of the love of being DJJ Watt, but at the same time, going to go chase his ring. So that's what I think he's kind of up to with those comments. Yeah, JJ Watt's rant, although it's about six weeks too late, uh, was right on point. There's no doubt that he's right. Uh, the reason that I say it was six, six weeks too late uh, is because we've we've been seeing the same thing from this team, you know, for the last six to seven weeks. Um, after week six, I did my write up on how poor Whitney Merciless uh, was playing, and nothing has changed. He's playing right next to JJ. Uh, Whitney hasn't registered a tackle in three games, and and. <laughs> it's just are, is, terrible. You, no, the, the Rock Boys are long gone, and early on, I really thought it was a personnel problem for the Texans defense. Um, I, I, I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe it's not on Anthony Weaver, and and, and I thought that Weaver got shafted with terrible talent under Bill O'Brien's regime. Uh, it, and it's not, it's not, or it's a combination of both, but. The expectations of the Texans coaching staff, especially on defense, is not where it should be. Romeo Cornell was asked about Merciless's, Merciless's play a couple weeks ago, um, especially at, you know after the Colts game. It, it, the Colts game was his third game of not registering a tackle, but it, it was the first of this, this three games. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he said... Whitney's not always in the position to rush. Well, how how are you? Can he at least make a tackle, Charles? Yeah. <laughs> okay, is that yeah? I don't you know sacks are one thing. I mean JJ is having trouble racking up sacks this year, but I mean we just paid him a ton, and and uh, it, yeah, it's the reason that no one cares about their new, their noon games. I mean th- their defense is getting killed every week, and, and that's. I mean, JJ's on the defensive side of the ball. You cannot help but to think that he's looking right at that secondary. Yeah, go ahead, Mark, because I know you got something to say. So uh, you brought up about JJ, about him struggling to do make sacks and everything. But at the same time, JJ's be- Watt is being double teamed week in and week out. Merciless is only probably being, uh, being held to and, one guy. Yeah, and he still and, can't do anything. And, well, that shocks me that Merciless hasn't recorded a tackle in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you're right about JJ. He's done his job this year. He really has. He, injuries have plagued him the last couple of years. It's been a little tough to rely on him, but at 31, um, you know, he's leading the Texans' defense in snaps. Um, he's played every game, and I think his presence out there is the most you can ask out of him. Yeah, and even going well, going on with his comments, he didn't tell a single lie during the whole thing. Um, I know some people say that, oh, these some of these guys, I still see some guys hustling, or I see some guys walking, and but um, – 
the only thing I had, a, only I guess I want to say problem, but it's, um, I guess problem I had with uh, JJ Watt's comments was. He said there's an issue because you don't want to show up to work and it's, he feels bad for the fans and uh, they go in uh, in and out with um, – well, they really want the team's success and people aren't really trying. He feels like people aren't trying. Um, I don't know J.J. Watt. I don't know anyone personally from the Texans. Um, but the only thing I had about that was that – oh, and also he said it's a privilege. The game is a privilege. Now – with that, all these things are very true. These guys get to make millions of dollars playing a game. But um, I know, and I know he knows this, is that uh, nothing was given in this game. Being any kind of athlete, everybody knows that nothing is given. You earn every everything you get. Um, now, we won't say that uh, sports can't be political because we've definitely seen it with Bill O'Brien. But it's that, that is in itself saying that uh, some of these guys um, aren't pushing themselves to where they could be. Now, not trying to make an excuse for these guys. Everybody's not going to work out like J.J. Well, we've seen countless workout videos and uh, him being uh, the Hulk in the weight room. No, I know. I, I think it, it it starts with the leadership. It starts with coaching mm-hmm. and, and, and where the Texans are going to move on to with – with their management staff and, and, and their coaching staff uh, because obviously these players have no one to look to right now. I mean, head coach, 73-year-old intern, Romeo Cornell, everyone knows he's not coming back next year. Who knows who's coming back next year? Uh, what we do know is who the Texans have an eye on. Mm. Um, and the first one I want to start with um, is Marvin Lewis. Um, and, and Marvin Lewis inter- interviewed earlier this week um, and he's been known for his expertise on the defensive side of the ball, which is, I mean, which is everything we need. To, we need a complete rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and he's coached some of the most de- dangerous f- defensive fronts in the NFL, uh, most notably the 2000 uh, Super Bowl winning Baltimore Ravens, um, led by Hall of Fame linebacker Ray Lewis. Uh, but his time as a head coach, uh, as you know, uh, in Cincinnati from 03 to 18, uh, wasn't exce- wasn't that successful. The Texans uh, beat the Bengals twice in that in that time period in wild card games, 2011 and 2012. Um, do you have any comments about you know what you think about Marvin Lewis uh, before we move on to other ones? I think Marvin Lewis would be great, actually. You know. Actually, I think the Texans really look towards people like him, Um, people that really didn't have a great uh, stretch as a head coach but were great minds defensively because another stat to throw out there, the Bengals gave up 48 sacks on this season. The Texans recorded none for that game. 48 sacks is among, like, the top um, most allowed sacks in the NFL, and, and they only had, I think, four quarterback hits. That's pathetic, you know. So, to have someone like like Lewis come in and like really revamp the defense, I think would really be great for him. Almost therapeutic, Mar- really. Yeah, Marvin Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Hey, absolutely. Um, and now on to Jim Caldwell, um, another another coach that that uh, whoever's whoever's upstairs with the Texans right now. We don't know. Uh, Yeah, we've brought him in contrary to Lewis. Uh, Caldwell is a, I don't know, I'm not going to say guru, but he's an offensive mind. But he hasn't done too much lately. Um, You know, 
you can kind of un- see what Kyle McNair's thinking mm. with Caldwell paired up with Deshaun. Caldwell's been with Matt Stafford before, um, and, and he's coached some of the more talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford with Detroit. He was uh, from, I believe, 03 to 09. He was the offensive coordinator with Tony Dungy in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, Coach Peyton Manning. Um, Caldwell took over for the Colts from 2009 to 2011, and it didn't work out. Most of his head coaching roles have fallen through. Um, I'm not high on Jim Caldwell. I I think both Caldwell and Lewis have their respective specialties that they should probably stick to. Caldwell's had a lot of success in the offensive coordinator position. Look, Tim Tim Kelly's great, but that wait, not even great. He he's part of Bill's regime. Yeah. And, and I think what the Texans front office must do is move on from from that personnel. That all of it. Everybody. I mean, uh we we can go back to 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 Caldwell, but I, I want to jump on this real quick since we're on the Texans clearing house after this season. They brought in Matt Bazirgan for a a a GM interview. He is the Texans director of player personnel. Before, before he got to the Texans in 2018, he was with the Jets for, you know, 16 or 17 years. Um, and I I truly believe that the only reason that Cal McNair would look to hire a general manager internally. It's for an excuse to keep Jack Easterby. Um, I, 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 I don't see any other reason. I mean, if you're the director of player personnel under Bill O'Brien, you're you're responsible for some of this damage. You know that that we're definitely. Um, you know, what do you think about that, Charles? I agree exactly what you said. Now. You bring up an interesting point with the next uh, comment there used as an excuse to keep Jack Easterby. I definitely didn't even think of that, but I definitely agree with you because I don't, I don't, even in my deepest thoughts when I think about it, if I could, I could sit down and meditate in a quiet room and I still couldn't find a reason to why that would even be a good hire because, okay, if we think about Texans personnel, well, he brought in some decent talent. It all got traded away by your GM. Fine, I can give you that excuse. But now we go back to look at your uh, at your track record. Go look at the Jets. What have the Jets done in your time being there? You know, Nothing. not too not exactly. So you did the butt fumble with Mark Sanchez. Um, years of great highlight. Years of of losing. Uh, it's amazing that he even got. A job here, yes. Um, if, so to make him GM, it, yeah. it's, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. It's beyond me, and it, it would make it impossible for us to move on from the Bill O'Brien regime. And uh, the last one that I want to mention, and I think it's probably the best GM candidate, is Lewis Riddick. Um, I believe we talked a bit about him in, in episode one. Um, he's currently an NFL. He, he's a he's the Monday Night Analyst. Um, and he he's looking like the favorite for every vacant GM position. Uh, we're, we're most likely going to be contending with the Jags and, and the Lions uh, to get him. Um, Charles, do you think Riddick has what it takes to to rescue the Texans? Um, 
I guess, I mean, what I was saying, like, back in episode one, I wasn't really, I had my own prejudices about personalities being, uh, getting head coach, I mean, not head coaching position, but just official position, front office positions. I said about John Gruden being a coach, and he's not doing great at all, and with uh, with the Raiders, and then Lewis Riddick coming. Lewis Riddick was a great player. He wasn't. He's a great analyst. He's, a, uh, like you said, he's a numbers guy, and he speaks with a lot of diction. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. But, like I said, there's more to being a GM than just evaluating talent. There's so much more that goes into it. And so um, do I think that he's uh, he's bound to fail? Absolutely not. Um, he has potential. But I guess out of the options that they've put forth so far, he's definitely like a golden candidate. You know what I mean? So um, I do agree with that. Do you think he wants to come here, even though the Jaguars already locked up the first round pick and getting Trevor Lawrence, though? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, after what I don't think people really understand the damage that Bill O'Brien has really, really done. There's no first round picks. There are no second round picks. You trade away your top, in my opinion, top two wide receiver in the league and you've your defense is void. You have your best player on defense who wants to leave. And your your linebacker that you signed for big money isn't hasn't rec- recorded a tackle in three games. Like there, there's nothing attractive about the team besides your quarterback. Who, I, God forbid, he he gets hurt in the last game of the season, but he's he walked off holding his arm. Like there's nothing there's nothing about the Texans that looks attractive right now. And so I can't say that he's just looking to come here when the Jags have already locked up the number one pick for the for the draft. Especially after the SI report that came out about Jack Easterby, yeah. how he was the mastermind behind everything that went down with with DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, how how most of the Texans' employees don't, you know, he's he's not a good guy and he's not a personnel guy. He still hasn't been fired. So if I'm interviewing for GM for the Texans or head coach. <laughs> You're kind of sitting there going, okay, if if he's been making all the calls and he's waiting for the top position with the Texans, you know, uh, under ownership, then what makes any new head coach think they're going to walk in here and start making decisions with the personnel? Especially, you know, from a head coaching perspective, if they hire someone like Bazirgan, you're 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 playing the puppet. Um, you know, you, you're you're not you're ultimately not going to be the one in charge, um, and, and the Texans have to move on from from hiring internally. They need to clear out uh, internally. But uh, let's move on to the NFL MVP race, which I think me and Charles both agree is is all but li- or is pretty much locked. It's pretty up. much locked up. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off? Well, I'll start us off on a sad note. The one we're talking about is definitely Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't know who all uh, watched that game, that snow game, but he, him and him and Adams, it was it was incredible. Like one, one I just love snow games. Like, yeah, I love snow games themselves. But Aaron Rodgers is is the front runner. Um, not saying that Patrick Mahomes hasn't had a great season. He has, but it, it's it's kind of done. It's done now. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, Rodgers, unbelievable game last night. 21 for 25, 231 yards and four touchdowns in a blizzard. And uh, Killed my fantasy. It's amazing how smooth 
Aaron and and Demonte Adams were through the whole game. Um, and, and Aaron Rodgers, as far as the MVP race for Patrick Mahomes goes, Aaron Rodgers has simply done more with less. Exactly. And <clears throat> yep, I told you. You know who I'm comparing him with, Patrick Mahomes. Does Patrick Mahomes perform the same as Rodgers if you put Mahomes in a Packers jersey? Um, and the answer is no. Uh, Mahomes, with all due respect, you know, already has one MVP, but he's been manicured into this league. Uh, and, and like I said, heck of an arm, um, a great offensive mind, but he also has the best offensive mind in Andy Reid in his headset. Uh, and a stack of weapons around him. I mean, right now, <clears throat> Mahomes has Tyreek Hill, who, when it's all said and done, could be the fastest player ever to play the game. Uh, he is, you know, the ridiculous 40 time. He's reached 23 miles per hour. The guy's a car, uh, and and he could run in the Olympics, and he would dust any top five cornerback that you put in front of him. Um, and, and, and that's just that's only hill the list goes on um it's you know he's got sammy Watkins, he's got demarcus robinson he's got Michael hardman the run game is unbelievable Mm. and darren williams um and now Le'Veon bell yeah you know you you, mahomes has just kind of had it all in front of him and he looked awfully sketchy versus the versus the falcons i'm not saying i have any doubts but um, and then I yeah I left out Travis Kelsey you know another great I mean if not so, the best so tight end of the game now, right now now you're saying you have Tyreek Hill who could at the end of it go down as the fastest you know I don't know about best wide receiver of all time but definitely the fastest so why, hold on why don't we consider Tyreek Hill one of the best wide receivers in the game I, like I, I was having this conversation with somebody I was like they brought that I was like I'm it is like he can't make the catches. And he I, get- I think it comes down to all all we see from him is speed. I, I, we don't see the, the kind of crazy catches in traffic like Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson gave us. But I think that's why we can't really put him up there with some of the best wide receivers ever. I mean, well, but I, if, I, if, well, if you're beating everybody in a foot race, you don't need to make those kind of catches. So let me tell you why. It's because he's had to split receptions with a guy named Travis Kelsey. Um and he does it all. He had a record-breaking day versus the Falcons. They would not have won the game without Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey is the first tight end um, to have two 100-yard reception seasons. Um, and by the time it's all said and done, I do believe Travis Kelsey will be up there with Gronk. Not in not an all-time tight end yardage leader, but up there is the best all-around tight ends, uh, him and Gronk of all time. Um you know he he's got a long way to go. He's got seven thousand. Tra- Travis Kelsey has seven thousand more yards to go to get to Tony Gonzalez's uh, all-time yardage record for a tight end. Uh, um, you know I I, I I was having this conversation with my buddy who's um, a diehard Pats fan. He and he he's kind of a guy who's making that transition uh, <clears throat> to to Tampa with Tom and Gronk for the time being. Uh, and I didn't know this, but Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski are the same age. Um, so what? they're both 31. So uh, Kelsey, I think, has three or four more years uh, to do it. But 
anyways, yeah, to wrap it up for Texans and NFL, um, or just for NFL MVP, Aaron's just done a whole lot with less. I mean, um, has Adams, has uh, Lazard, has Valdez scaling, but no real elite threat besides Devontae Adams. Um, but yeah, that'll 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 be all for uh, for for Texans and NFL MVP talk. So we are uh, we're back in the break room here, uh, talking about the state of the Rockets. Uh, and I just want to mention you can follow the break room on Twitter at the Break Room H O U. But yeah, we're going to get into the state of the Rockets talk here. Uh, first game was promising, um, and um, as we do this podcast, we are uh, in the middle of the of the. Uh, the Rockets first Nuggets game they're getting beat 108 to 85 still missing John Wall uh, Eric Gordon Boogie Cousins couple more but there's really been some promising play <clears throat> from James Harden and new acquisition from the Pistons Christian Wood um, you know Harden had uh, 44 points in the first game versus the Trailblazers uh Christian Wood had had 31 uh, now versus the Nuggets even though we're losing Christian Wood's put up 23 Harden's put up 34 we're about midway into the fourth but uh, Charles let's get into it so after watching um, what last a few days ago it was a couple days ago Saturday they, yeah Saturday when they played the Blazers the Trailblazers um, all all that game made me really think was James Harden is so automatic. He can do it whenever he feels like it, and but at the same time, he doesn't want to be here. And it's like I, I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel the pain that Houston feels a little bit now. You know, uh, Christian Wood, and I, you know, I'll be the first to admit because we all I said it during the mocks. I describe Christian Woods as the shine of peace and trash coming from Detroit, and I might have been wrong. I might have been wrong. He's been playing phenomenally, and I think that the combination, it's its giving me that old Clint Capella, except he's, I feel like he's more efficient than Clint was. It, it kind of reminds me, I think James kind of needs a big. I think his, his game is a little bit more efficient that way. And a big that can move. Exactly. Um... No, Christian Wood was was phenomenal and efficient. Great on the boards. Had thirteen boards in the first game versus the uh, versus the Trailblazers. But what really impressed me was when was when Harden exited the game for the first time, uh, in the first time in the game uh, at the end of the first quarter versus the Blazers, uh, and it was all new guys on the floor uh, and. and 
the new bench had a fantastic game. Um, you know, when Harden left, it was a two point lead, and when he came back, it was an 11 point game. Uh, Sterling Brown, uh, the Rockets' new ac- uh, new acquisition from Milwaukee, played fantastic, and I thought he managed the floor uh, really well with you know a bunch of bench players that haven't played much together, a lot of young guys. But Sterling Brown, twenty minutes, four for five from the field, two for three from three, uh, total ten points, and looks looks like he's going to be a pure scorer off the bench. Um, and, and another thing that I wanted to point out was Jay Sean Tate. Uh, who, yeah. who we had a couple questions about yeah. with with, uh, with what went down in the locker room with Harden. You want to tell us about that? Um, so with it, him and him and James got into a like I don't know if it was I a full fight, really but a like scuffle. a scuffle, like a little shove here and shove there. Um, and with that, like I say. James Harden doesn't want to be here. And so with this whole acting out thing and the get into it with teammates, it, it, it rubs me the wrong way. And it it all it keeps encouraging the the fact that you're gonna get him for much, much less. Every time he has like any kind of situation like this, uh, I think he threw a ball at a teammate, somebody record like um like I think a week ago during practice, and now you're having something in the locker room and it's just it's it's kinda it's imploding, but so Actually, to add on to that, what do you think we should do with James? Because you see how the team is flowing right now, even though they had a loss against the Trailblazers and they're down right now. We see the potential of what it could be. Do you think we should kind of let James play out for a year? So uh, I think the you know is the question, Charles, uh, did this change? Did the first game performance, and obviously – um, as we're doing this podcast, we are in the fourth quarter of the Rockets game versus the Nuggets. Harden currently has 34 points. He's 10 for 16 from the field, 5 for 9 from 3, and 9 for 9 from the line. Uh, I think the question is, Charles, does this change the Rockets fans' minds about whether we need to trade him or not? And I think the ultimate answer here is no. Uh, the the word around Houston is that most fans still want James Harden out because of his lack of leadership and what happened before the season and the antics with Jay Sean Tate, the antics with the pregame. You know, he puts on his Adidas Harden um, apparel. He doesn't put on Rockets apparel, no Nike, no Jordan. Um, he, he's obviously about himself. There's no... There's no, there's no team here, uh, you know. I think in his eyes, um, and, and Houston. The, here's the thing: Houston's not going to see the return on Harden, no matter what they get. You cannot tell me that you're going to get never a better score. Be enough. It's, it's never, never going to be, be enough. enough. He is a top three score in the league. He's showing that now. Um, and and Houston fans need to understand that. Head coach Steven Silent has a plan in place for the Rockets, and I think I think they really need to see it out because um, after what I saw uh, on Saturday versus the Blazers, and just a little bit what I'm seeing from Wooden Harden tonight, I think if you can get a vet like John Wallace stay healthy and and just kind of be that third piece in there, and and we're gonna get into this right now with 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 John Wall. Um, you know, he, he we know he's been injury played the last two years. You know, c- c- I think I think Silas's game plan could change 
John a little bit. Marcus, I know you have a question about John Wall. Yeah, most most definitely. I'm I'm a John Wall fan, and I'm worried that the fact that John Rump, John Wall's numbers are going to be down this year due to the fact of how Houston plays mainly but was hard and dominate dominant ball. Period. So, do you think the Houston natives will be okay with that, or are they going to basically? dog on him saying that this is what we expected from John Wall even though he hasn't played for two seasons I think it all depends on what just to answer the question I think they will look at John Wall a certain type of way because you had Russ former MVP former man who averaged a triple double and you got John Wall in return it just is what it is. You 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 kind of you downgraded it in, uh, to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's like the formula to win. You need James. James has to be your your centerpiece. He has to. He just has to be. And so, the question with the question in return would be: Do you want to win? If you want, if John Wall has John Walls has better numbers, you're probably not winning because he's your centerpiece. It just is what it is. That's. But if James is your centerpiece, his numbers have to be down in order for you to probably overwin. Because, like I say, high offense from James gets you, uh, gets you what season seasonal wins. Yeah, we're, we're yet to see, uh, you know, when if John Wall is capable of, of playing in Steven Silas's offense. <clears throat> he hasn't played yet. Won't be back at practice till Wednesday. We're not going to see him till Thursday night uh, here in Houston versus Sacramento. Um, here's what I what I like about John Wall. Pretty sure I mentioned this point last week, but here's what I like about John Wall is at 30 years old, I don't think he's quite itching for the star power that Russell Westbrook was looking for. Um, you know, he's 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 not old, but removed from back to back injury, he played years um, after making the All Star game for five years in a row. I think with Wall's personality and passing ability, uh, I, I, I'm predicting that's this is if he stays healthy, uh, that he can be a, a great fit for Harden uh, and, and Christian Wood. Um, I think he can really split the floor. Uh, this is a big if, um, and and I'm predicting a career high for John Wall in assists. Um, simply because he's never had weapons like this through his whole career. I think his high is around 10.6, um, and he's kind of hovered yeah. around there. I think he could really make a leap here, and I would understand if the media uh, you know, is, is saying he's going to fall off if, if Mike D'Antoni was still the head coach uh, because you know, it would be a three-point parade, and that's not John Wall's game, uh, as we know. Uh, but clearly... Um, you know, after one game, we're seeing that Steven Silas has a different plan for this team. Um, you know, they, they only took 35 threes, uh, which is relatively low compared to last yeah. year. Um, had only taken six threes going into the second half of that Trailblazers game. Uh, and, uh, you know, if... If Wall does end up getting hurt, we're going to just see a lot of uh, a lot of the ball distribution coming from from James Harden. The ball, like I said, if if James, I mean not James, if John Wall goes down, I don't know. Every I feel like every every little plan, every 
everything that we could have envisioned what the Rockets could have done or what they might be, it, it really goes down the drain. Because even though you have Christian Woods, who's looking phenomenal, and you have James, who's working well with him, and that, that little duo looks like a real duo. But if John Wall is out, you, you need – you need more. Like, you need more because we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it with AD and LeBron in the West and um, um, even Luka and uh, Porzingis if he stays healthy. Um, and um, I, w- <laughs> I would say Paul George and uh, and uh, Kawhi, but that's <laughs> – Paul George is almost – he needs Kawhi, but that's a whole other. That's almost, yeah. that's another topic. Yeah. It, it's, but, it's, fu- it's funny how you brought up Christian Woods and AD in the same sentence. Oh, so uh, so is, is Christian Woods guy really the real deal? Only because I'm, I'm asking that because I seen comparisons to AD and uh, before we started this, Will even brought up he even saw comparisons to KD. So that, w- w- what's going on here? Is, is he the real deal, or is this just kind of just overhyped? Yeah, no, there's no conversation with either one of them. I think overhyped. Yeah, I think the AD, any kind of AD talk came from the size and the movement. The only thing that I can see in comparison with KD is that number uh, is is 35. Uh, Now, look, this is with all due respect. You're talking about AD and KD. uh, The backbones of the NBA. Uh, Christian Woods coming off his, uh, you know, first and only good season. But Harden had high praise for him after Saturday night, uh, saying that uh, Wood made him look good, and and that you know Harden's going to see, you know Harden will see where their chemistry goes. What do you, what do you got to see for James? Uh, you know that this that's obviously Harden playing one foot in and one foot out, um, and you know his Harden's future here is ultimately undecided. Um, Whoever said anything about Christian Wood? Um, being like AD, okay, a big that can move. It ain't like we hadn't seen that in the NBA. That's ridiculous. But to compare him to Kevin Durant is ridiculous. You must be on drugs. You have to be. That's, that makes that doesn't make any kind of sense. And so, I mean, Christian Woods is good. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's looking great almost. But I know KD is coming off injury from this past season. He didn't really play. But I, we can go into a whole thing of what KD really is. Like, he's someone who can pull up from anywhere. He's someone who can drive on anybody. He's a big with a he's a big with a handle. And it, it but yeah, but, no, you, you you're absolutely right. And and look, it's not to say that that Christian Wood. It's not to say that at all. Can't develop him to what kind of beat uh, Brandon Ingram's turning into. Uh, Christian Wood's 25 years old, and actually, as we speak. Uh, Christian Wood's stat line for this Nuggets game, uh, this game against the Nuggets, 9 for 20 from the field, 4 for 5 from 3, and uh, 23 points. A lot of media is labeling Christian Wood as a center. Listen, if he starts popping the ball from three-point range, uh, I will not be open to the AD or KD conversation, but it'll it'll only strengthen the argument that when John Wall gets back, when Cousins gets back, when Eric Gordon's get when Eric Gordon gets back, um, you know, all it's gonna take is is I think at a certain point Harden's gonna come together and I think ultimately make a decision on his career. Uh, you know, are you gonna leave or are you gonna move forward with this team? Because 
we're starting to see some a good young crop of players in Houston. I mean, besides Christian Wood, um, uh, you know, Jay Sean Tate, you got Sterling Brown, uh, and you got David Nwamba. Um Nwamba's still, you know, still relatively young, but has played a role in these first two games, has twelve points right now. Uh but um we will be back with Rockets Talk next week and we're gonna move on to some some baseball talk here for a short bit. Uh we'll be right back with the break room. We're back in the break room. We're, we're the break room HOU on Twitter, and uh, we're back with some State of the Astros talk. Uh, I want to run it back for one quick second. I got a funny tweet from Kendrick Perkins. He goes, James Harden's 28, 4, and 6 at the half on 8 of 10 shooting. Perk goes, hell, if he's going to put up going to be putting up these type of numbers he can give little baby all the honey buns he wants carry on uh yeah shout out perk i've been a big i've been a big advocate behind um you know letting james carry on regardless of not regardless of covid but i think his last incident like he wasn't in a strip club but uh you know Kind of almost Dennis Rodman-like. Yeah, not even that. You know, it's not like he's out of... I, I, I truly don't think James is out of control. I really think it's it's one of those things, like, it's COVID. And, you know, James's first incident, it was his boy's birthday. And then his homegirl was opening up a new business. Uh, let him do his thing, you know? And, and, and he's putting up the numbers. But we're moving on from Rockets Talk. Uh, we're moving into Astros. And I'm going to let Charles open up with a couple questions. Okay, you guys, I have some questions for you because I know you guys are all about that baseball. So, Blake Snell is now with San Diego, right? Do you think the Astros should should have had at least tried to make a move for the new pitcher? For the new pitcher? Yeah, so uh, Blake Snell and now you Darvish is uh, have signed with the Padres. They're stacking up their pitching staff. Uh, the question is, how are the Astros going to stack theirs? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Cash is probably rethinking pulling Blake Snell uh, in their final game last season. But on the other hand, the Rays are a cheap and efficient team with tons of young pitching. Uh, my buddy, uh, my close buddy, actually, John Doc Sachs, is a big lefty uh, coming up in the Rays organization of product of Texas A&M. Um, and he's joined by an ample amount of good young pitching um, in Tampa Bay. Uh, so I, I'm sure... Rays fans are going to be upset with losing Snell, but I think the Ra- the Rays have a plan to get rid of that big contract. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I most definitely agree. But you know, as I'm a Houston, I'm a, being a Houston native and everything, uh, it kind of shocks me that the Astros aren't trying to make any moves to try to better themselves in the pitching department, knowing that's where we're struggling at. Uh, you will. What do you What do you think about that? That are you upset about this? Are you content with it? It kind of just let's see what happens, or do you well, want us to make a splash? Yeah. As for the Astros and how the trade relates to their pitching. Um, 
you know, they they must be focusing on more on the bullpen than the starting pitching. Uh, I I don't see. Obviously, I could see what 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 uh, what Blake Snell could do for us. You uh, Darvish doesn't really impress me anymore. Like we, we the Astros take batting practice off him every time we see him. I think he ran his course already. Um, I, I've yeah, no, exactly. I've been hearing some light rumors about the Astros acquiring Liam Hendricks, who's reliever first. He spent the last two seasons with the A's, uh, still very fresh, and we're still yet to see uh, what the Astros are going to do about their pitching rotation. And with that, with the uh, with the pitching rotation being in question. Do you think all oh, that's kind of a product of when they think their window is going to close? Yeah, it's uh, it's the question of if the Ashes are still a threat for a World Series run like they have been the last couple of years, or uh, will they kind of just be a playoff, hopefully a playoff team, you know? Yeah. Count, um, count your blessings. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I most definitely agree. I, I think the Ashes are just a playoff team, to be honest with you. I don't see us making a push to a World Series. And if we do get there, I don't see us winning it. Yeah, it might might sound hurtful to the Houston fans, but it's the God honest truth. Yeah, I think they... I think over the next couple of years, they have someone that, somewhere in there they can make a deep playoff run. I think it has to start with the heart and soul of this lineup and Michael Brantley. Um, we aren't getting George Springer back. I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but that means the Astros should easily be able to afford a new contract for Michael Brantley. Um, so that that would make up the corner outfield with with Kyle Tucker and Michael Brantley. Brantley probably doing some DHing. Um, are you are you fine with that? Are you fine with us getting Brantley over George Springer? Or would you much rather have Springer? Yeah, I am because if you sign Springer, you can't splurge elsewhere, and we need, we really need pitching. I mean, that's what's ultimately cost us here uh, the last couple of years. Um, no, I, I don't. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm content with losing Springer at this point. Um, I I think we're gonna keep Correa at shortstop. So. Uh, you know, you can't have it all. I've we've seen that Jackie Bradley is another play of, player of interest, uh, who's a free agent, former Red Sox, but yeah, could, yeah um, could I'm make almost... up that last piece of that yeah, outfield. He, he can most definitely make a splash for us. But again, I'm I'm excited for baseball to be coming up. It's it's right around the corner, and uh, I guess we'll just see what happens. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, you know, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on with with Astros is I, I'm now we talked about Real Muto last week. I'm now hearing Jason Castro talks uh, coming back to the Astros, um, and I want to start by naming I, I I've I heard on I saw on fan side they were they were talking like Castro is a sure better catcher than than uh, Machete Maldonado. Let me read since 2015 get Jason Castro's batting average. 2015, he bats 211, 16, 210, 17, 242. Seems career. 2018, 143, 19, 232, 20, 179. And, and his short stint with the, with the Padres in 20 again was uh, 129. Uh, Machete is hovering around that 220, 230 range yearly. And I will take his defense 10 times out of 10 over Jason Castro. 
Oh, yeah, I most definitely agree. I think people just want Jason Castro because he's a, a you know, a former Astro and you, they recognize the name, but they don't realize the little things that Maldonado does. No one really pays attention to his defensive stats. All they care about, they just want to see hits and everything, even though he's, a, you know, he's a consistent hitter of what he hits. So I, I'm, I most definitely want to keep Maldonado over Jason Castro. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that's going to that's going to wrap up our um, our Astros offseason talk. Um, what are you boys up to for New Year's? Hopefully not work, man. Hopefully not. I'm trying to trying to find a little little spot. You know, well, uh, it's COVID. <laughs> it's COVID. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna find. You're not gonna find that at all. If I don't want to get sick. Uh, but hopefully, I just want to chill. Uh, I maybe link up with a couple friends. Um, and then you know, just bring in the new year. No, yeah, so my, I have a buddy of mine coming down from Lubbock. I uh, haven't seen him in a little bit, so he's going to chill out and spend New Year's over here with us. So show him around town. He's never been here in Houston. So I was talking about talking to Will about this earlier. So he's been watching TikTok videos about girls at bombshells. Charles, let me know what you think about this. He thinks bombshells is like an emo gothic type of hooters. I, I'm trying to tell him that's completely wrong. You're just oh. looking at internet videos, and it's, I, I, to me, I, I don't think bombshells is that great at all they just have good beer yeah i uh, you know what I, i've only been to bombshells once i'm more of a, a twin peaks guy oh i most definitely i would, agree. I would tell yeah. them don't pick what bar you're gonna go to uh or actually don't judge the bar you're gonna go to based off tiktok videos <laughs> uh, he, he he's got to pick he's got to pick his his uh his bar of choice in a different way. You gonna take him any barbecue spots? So yeah, I'm uh so yeah, most definitely. I, I live like five minutes away from uh Papa Charlie's. Uh I, I enjoy their ribs over there. They have really good collard greens and uh, me and you were talking about Kobos. But man, that's that that, that place is a solid place, but it's so far from me. It's yeah, in Tascacita. I, s- I still gotta get out to Kobos and I I I actually think I'm going to get out there Wednesday. I'm going to miss Buddy Yes Tuesday, though, which I'm pretty disappointed about. Yeah. You got to get there on a Tuesday. You really do. When is he coming in? Uh, He's coming in Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday. Uh, so it's, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be New Year's Sunday. Eve. So. Yeah, what was it called again? Uh, Kobos. Los Kobos. Oh, yeah, you showed me that video, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you missed it at the, at the golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sure no. I was out of town. Yeah, shout out Kobos. He was out there. I need to, uh, no, I had no, to go no. there, and there's another place called Burns. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've never heard about uh, this place. Uh, what is it? I've heard that's, it's next up. That's the best barbecue I've ever had. Yeah. Where's it at? Um, north side, northwest. Um, I can't remember. I know Antoine and something else. I think Antoine, Little York. Yeah, you ought to look it up. I, I've heard it's kind of next up. I'm not sure how old their, their pit is. That's a huge thing. It's funny. One of my favorite stops uh, for Houston barbecue now is the pit room. But what's interesting is my buddy Thomas, he 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 took me to the pit room about three or four times and I was like, This is this is city barbecue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is not what I want. I you know, I got the pulled pork sandwich a few times. It's like it's like 12 inches tall. It's like, I'm, you know, how am I supposed to eat all this? They kind of make it more for the gram than anything, right? Yeah. yeah, but then, but then I go, so I take about an eight month break from the pit room and I go back and I finally get the brisket and some sausage. I've been getting pulled pork sandwiches and I think the ribs finally got the brisket. It's unbelievable. If, if y'all, if y'all venture inside the loop, I, I highly recommend the pit room. 
Um, but I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Break Room Podcast. I'm Will Doctor. Charles Gordon, man. Yeah, Marcus Castillo is sitting here and again y'all have a wonderful night yeah and, and go ahead and follow us on, on Twitter at the break room H-O-U that's the break room H-O-U on Twitter we'll see you next week hey. happy new years to you happy new years everyone elevate elevate only obligation is to tell it straight so much on my plate I gotta delegate Baco pass a drug test we gotta celebrate I'm in better weight thinking how to make All this happened for myself and my family. All this happened for myself and my family.